From RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, it is another episode of our pretty damn near daily show now of Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruschi uh, welcoming you to the program and, of course, thanking you for subscribing. That's very important. If you're just a listener that uh, just kind of searches it every time and finds us, that's we do greatly appreciate that, but uh, would be appreciated even more if you hit that subscribe button on the platform you're using. That's what helps us grow. That's what helps us go in the rankings. So please do press subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever your platform of choice is, that is greatly appreciated. And of course, let a friend know about the show. That also helps us grow quite a bit. And by the way, when you give us a review on iTunes right now, you get a bonus episode. So go to iTunes, Leave us that review, some five stars, be greatly appreciated. And then email me back what username you used to leave that review. My email is Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. And uh, I will email you personally back with a uh, bonus episode of the show to listen to. Also, some other exciting things going on in the world of Real Ghost Stories Online. We have uh, swag. Yes, we do. We have some fun Real Ghost Stories Online apparel for you to enjoy and and share and wear and live in and uh, go do horrible things in public with because it'll get you attention and on the news probably and then our logo will be right there. That's awesome. And you and I both ordered our hoodies today. Yeah. Our, um, mine is the uh, want to hear a story version and yours is just the Real Ghost Stories online version. Yeah. So check that out. There's all sorts of stuff. There's the uh, the want to hear a story shirts which are really cool. And then there's our, our just our logo shirts and everything. Sure. So if you're a fan of the show uh, when you purchase something we it up through Cafe Press, uh, if you're familiar with that, uh, we get a little bit of, of, of uh, kickback, if you will, that helps us support the show. So uh, that is a way you can support. I've had a lot of people write in and ask, uh, is there a way we can like donate to the show or do something? Uh, so I thought, well, I'm not just going to ask for money. Uh, so I thought, well, let's do some shirts and stuff. And you yeah. get something back, and then it can even help promote the show even more. So uh, please do support the show. And uh, pick up your stuff. The link is on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, so you can go to our little store and get yourself some cool stuff uh, for the ghost lover in your life, which may be yourself. Of course, Halloween's coming up soon. So uh, wear it proud. And we, of course, thank you in advance and greatly appreciate you uh, showing some love by picking up some of our merchandise at realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, interesting uh, note here. We got uh, someone who wants to uh, clear up uh, a, a former uh, letter that they wrote and says to further clarify my story from Cheeseman Park. Remember this uh, letter the other day? Uh, the man's name was E.P. McGovern and the city uh, and county of, of Denver commissioned him to exhume bodies. This is the, the park that I believe was created over a graveyard. Okay. They moved the bodies. Exhumed bodies to be moved to Riverside Cemetery before the area was to be converted to a park. He was paid a dollar ninety per body. Ooh, a whole dollar ninety. And was to provide them with fresh caskets. It was uh, March fourteenth, uh, eighteen ninety three, when the gruesome work uh, was to begin. At first, the work was very orderly, but if, after a few days, uh, there was body parts all over the place, and there were people looting the graves. It seems this unscrupulous man decided to divide some of the bodies into three different caskets in order to make more money. Anyone interested in the whole story can look up the ghost of Cheeseman Park in Denver, Colorado. Well, I think that would piss off any dead person. 
So I'm 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 guessing that uh, that Park is uh, a little bit more than disturbed. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, what happens when part of you is in one casket and another part's in another? I mean, are you put back together as a ghost? This sort of thing happens in modern day, though. I they know. Move, I mean, it, that, and that to me is just bizarre as hell. Where they're at this day and age, going well, we it, like if we want to expand a roadway and there's a cemetery right there. They, I've seen that where they just they buy up that little bit of land there. It's like where they tear down homes. Yeah, you know, eminent domain, and they essentially they take those caskets up and move them to somewhere else. I, just by sheer number of dead people on this planet, there's probably bodies underneath every place that we go to begin with. Yeah. But it's the more recent ones that are seeming a little more, I guess, concerning than anything else. I mean, you know, you go to you know, London, you know, the catacombs and all that, and they're everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, um, but I guess we just get more disturbed by the thought of ones that have died in the last hundred years uh, or so, which is, I think, in, in general, never a good idea to be moving, you know, bodies around. Uh, another comment um, someone said, Oscar has officially made freaking clowns even creepier. Just when I thought they couldn't uh, have one more ounce of terror filled, uh, a violent, angry, dead clown. Traumatizing. Seriously. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, it doesn't get any worse than that. Another comment, uh, there's an older cemetery in my hometown, and it actually has family in it. My friends and I used to walk uh, through it because it was on the opposite side of the street from the park near our homes and could be used as a shortcut to multiple destinations. Near the entrance was a type of mausoleum built onto a hill. There were no bodies in it, just tools for upkeep, but I assume they kept them there over the winter and in the past. Uh, it was easy to get to the top of it and sit on the uh, on the stone roof half covered in the dirt from the hill. God, this sounds like Ryanzi in a building that used to be there when I was a kid. Uh, from there, you could watch the cars go by and people play in the park. One of my friends and I actually ordered pizza to be delivered to the cemetery because that's where we were. The person uh, taking our order seemed confused as the delivery guy said he was surprised to find us there. We'd have frequent picnics there, not on graves, but on empty land. Quite peaceful, really, especially with my great and great great grandparents nearby. Yeah, that does sound like a receiving vault. Yeah, well, there was a totally different building there when I was a kid as well. And and Ryanzi has the receiving vault, uh-huh. which is kind of built into that hill there. And it's a little, and that one actually stored bodies okay. at one point in time. But um, Ryanzi also had this built into the ground building that's no longer there. They filled it in years ago. Um, but... It was really creepy, too, because the way you had to get into it, there was a stairwell that went, like, down into the ground, and then there's a door that was, you know, it was like a, you know, like, you think of, like, New York City buildings, and you, you walk down the steps into the lower, you know, level apartments. It was kind of like that. Steps, concrete steps down, and then the roof was sticking out of the ground that was built in this hill about a foot or so, and then it had little windows, almost like attic-type windows. Okay. And they were barred off, and it was just, it looked really creepy. Like, you didn't know what the hell was going on down there. And I think it was just more like a maintenance-type shed. I don't think a whole lot of bodies were going in there. Uh Uh-huh. But as a kid, your imagination just ran wild with what that building was, too. And it was just another thing to add to the mysteriousness of that cemetery. I mean, today, you got to see the good version of Rayanzi Cemetery, because it's been 
totally repolished and kept back up. When I was a kid, it was falling apart. Gravestones were tipped over. It was a mess. Um, but they really, they went and, and got it all fixed back up. But for a while there, it was creepy as hell. Do most of the cemeteries, not the new ones, but the older ones up north have a receiving vault like that? Brian is the only one that can come to mind. Um, there, uh, as far as what still exists, uh-huh. um, I I know a lot of the older ones would have receiving buildings, essentially. I mean, Ryanzi's built into the ground just makes it that much creepier. But the other ones would have these small little buildings that would essentially store caskets and bodies until spring when you could dig up the ground. Okay. Because back then, when you were actually using the receiving vault, um, you couldn't dig into the ground. See where I'm from, we don't we didn't have to worry about that. No. But a little bit further east than where I'm from, the water table's sure. too high, so you're getting into the above ground yeah. um you know, encasements for the graves like you see over in Louisiana and yeah. everything. So it's just interesting. Yeah, so many issues with getting the dead into the ground. It's like there's yeah. only a certain time of year, only certain areas where you can do it correctly. The above the ground graves, that that's an idea that freaks me out. I've never been to an above ground cemetery. I'd love to see that. I mean, we had the one above ground gravestone in Rianzi that freaked the hell out of me. Yeah. But I can't imagine going through a cemetery where they're all above ground. Have you ever walked through one like that? I haven't walked through one. I've seen them. But oh. uh, when Katrina went through, it <laughs> wreaked havoc. Oh, that's when they were floating down the they road. They were literally floating uh, down the road. I mean, that was yeah. horrible. Wow. I mean, I wasn't there for that, but I completely understand the whole si- yeah. the whole situation going on. The other day on uh, one of our episodes, uh, it was about the human remains that were found on someone's property. So I just threw the question out there, you know, what would you do if you found human remains on your property? And Bryce wrote in, uh, I'd clean it up, or I I would uh, clean and keep it. If bad things happen, I'd attempt some research into placing it into a proper burial place. Uh, And Nina wrote in, call the cops for a start. If it really wasn't anything sinister, I'd do some research and either leave what I found where it was or give them a proper burial. Depends on the circumstances, really. Did you? I sh- did I share my human re- remains story that time? I don't think you have. I haven't shared it on here. You did find human remains on your property when you. It were, wasn't on my property. When no. you were a kid, what were we, it was nearby. We what were was camping. It? Oh, camping. Okay. We went out. Um, my dad was a Boy Scout, so when he was a kid, he got to go out to uh, Mexico called Philmont. So. When my brother and I were little, he took us out there one time with my mom and we were camping and we took the metal detector. So we were having a big time. Um, You know, we were walking around metal detecting and and we got a hit on something there in our campsite. So we were hoping for a coin or something. Well, we started digging, dug a little bit, tried again. The beep got stronger. So we kept digging, kept digging. We dug about two or three feet down if I remember right I was pretty little I was like six or seven and then my dad hit something and it was metal and so we both got real excited because we were thinking what is this you know treasure it's yeah well it's a really old piece of land and who knows what could be on there so we cleared it off and we could start to see kind of a gold color so then we all got really excited. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't gold. It was brass. And uh, so we cleaned off what we found. And there were these two boxes. And they were, you know, maybe like five by eight. You know, they and there was a couple of them. And one had, as my mom described it, a, like it looked like a prescription bottle label on it. Uh-huh. 
and it said, here lies the remains of Rosalia, Germany. <laughs> oh, God. You're like, oh, my God. I didn't really understand what that meant at the time. I was little. Uh-huh. So my dad nice and neatly put it back and covered it Did you it open up. it? Did he open the box? No, we did not open the box because we knew it was cremated remains. Okay. You know, I mean, obviously that was too small for anything else other yeah. than cremated remains. There's a hand in there. Yeah, exactly. So we we buried her back where she was, and um, then we went to the the park office, I guess, or, or the um, at the head of the campground or whatever, and let them know. And they were like, "Oh yeah, there's those all over the place." I'm like, "Really? You're not like just taking?" You know, they weren't shocked that we found remains on their property. Well, I'm guessing it's, you know, probably a really peaceful place and people have a lot of positive memories there throughout their life when they just said, hey, you know, when I die, I want to be buried there, my remains to be there. And if you were probably to go to the office and say, hey, can we bury uh, Rosalia over here? Your answer is going to be no. Uh, you can't go bury her on our property. But if you don't ask and you just do it, right. uh, no one's going to stop you and no one's probably going to ever find it until you guys showed up. And I may be wrong, but if I remember right, I thought the date was like 18-something on there. Oh, wow. I mean, she had been in the ground over 100 years. So it could have been like even prior to the park. It could have actually been someone's like farmstead. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, so luckily nothing happened. Um, yeah. I do think we were weird and we took a picture of what we found and we put it back in the ground. Yeah. But um, yeah, so there's my body digging up story. What about like in, what would you do if you know we were digging in the garden here and came across uh, something of that nature? Whether it be, I mean, it'd be one thing if it were like bones, you know, and it was like a skeleton or something. Uh, it'd be another, I mean, I don't know. They really kind of depend on the situation. You mean like Funny Farm? Yeah. Where they found the body in the garden? Because I'd be hesitant on calling the police and then having it exhumed because I'd be afraid I'd be disturbing something. Um, and also going on record that there's a body in our property. Um, and to me, I would just look at it as, well, what is this going to benefit other than uh, police uh, getting involved? <laughs> Okay. And then a whole bunch of questions, and we didn't do anything, and it's just turning into a massive headache for us. Probably cost as well, because we probably end up having to you know, fit the bill for exhuming the body, and then possibly stirring something up. Well, Me, I would just go, I'm leaving it. Okay, and you better hope that I don't find the body then. Leaving it and not telling anyone. You better hope I don't find the body, because that's not what I would do. What would do. you do? Well, for one, if there's a body, impro- you know, not properly buried or disposed of then there's a reason that body's there like somebody stashed it there so for one you're going to bring closure to somebody's family yeah but you could also be angering somebody's family too because you could be like bringing up this whole you know murder scenario that could have repercussions in for you because you're the one who's suddenly getting involved in some case that they thought was gone and then they could be looking back at you going uh you're in trouble now too No. Like some sort of mafioso type thing. That's where I'd be like, screw it. I'm not going to even touch this. It's in the ground. I'm not going near this. I don't want to be involved in any way, shape, or form. Uh Uh-uh. No. If that happens, we are calling the police. Whether you're a willing participant or not, (laughs) I will be calling the police, and I will be letting them know what we found, how exactly we found it. Um, What if it was properly, though? What if... Okay, so that's like the crime scene version. Okay, the crime scene version of that, That's the crime scene version of it. And I probably would if it was a crime scene. Maybe, um, but what if it what if it was like a Rosalia box? 
like you just talked about. It was somebody's, you know, they just wanted to be buried in the yard. And, and it was like in a casket and like properly done, but like maybe hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Uh, it doesn't have to be hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Well, not hundreds of years ago, but you know, like. It could be 50 years back. Well, for one, I'd be pissed off that when I asked the realtor if somebody was buried on the property or died on the property, that well, they lied. Because well, you know that's part of my list of questions I asked. Our home inspector was an idiot to begin with. He can think, catch basic things. <laughs> He's going to catch bodies in the backyard. No, what I would do then is, I don't know who you call to make sure that that's properly on record. Does it need to be on record? I mean, again... I think I, if it was done, you know, respectfully, it was like a little note or something on there. Just cremated remains. Uh, I mean, a casket kind of ups the ante a little bit. I think I would just kind of leave it, you know, if, if, as long as it's like underneath the house. It's not, I'm not like finding it, you know, in the crawl space. Uh, but it's like in the backyard somewhere underneath the swing set. No, because it's our property, and I want to know who is buried on our property. I want to know what the story is, and that way, if we do have any activity, we know who we're dealing with. But isn't that asking to to conjure up activity if there's no activity going on? I don't think so, because if we found that body, it wouldn't be on purpose. True, but you're still disturbing the body. Yeah, well, maybe the ghost can't go to its final resting place until it's... But what if it's not doing anything? You know what? <laughs> you just better hope we don't find a body on our property because I don't think we're ever going to come to an agreement on this. Yeah. Whoever finds it first wins. I'm just not digging in the backyard anymore. <laughs> uh, 855... Good thing we got the sprinkler system in last year. They didn't find anything. I have no reason to dig any... Well, although we... There, yeah, there is the tennis court we talked about getting rid of. Yeah. <laughs> There's no telling what the God, previous owners put under that tennis God court. knows what's under all that concrete. Oh, my God. The previous owners. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. Hi. Hi, Tony. My name is Carrie. You actually read one of my stories before, which was the haunted nursing home. As I told you then, I had more stories to tell, but I wanted to do that at a later time. One of the other stories that comes to my mind was when I was about 19 years old, I was babysitting for a friend of mine. She was a single mom, and she had to work the midnight shift. It was the only shift she could find. And being a single mom, she couldn't find anyone to watch her kids. So I would come home from work myself and basically sleep on her couch while she was at work and then we would get the kids ready for school in the morning and the day would start all over. Well, I had been working for her while she lived at a certain place and I had no problems there, but she had to move. And the new place that she moved into, I instantly had a creepy feeling there. It would always feel like something would run its fingers through my hair or pull my hair. And we all actually saw a piece of my hair lift up one time. Well, one night, things began to escalate. And I was laying there on her couch, and all of a sudden, the TV kicked on. And then it kicked off. And then it kicked on. And things like this continued to happen. And they, they progressively got worse to where um, it would be the lights the radio, everything in there. And I began to wonder if maybe it was just faulty wiring, or hoping it was faulty wiring, I should say. Well, then one night, I was laying on the couch, and it was dark. And it was dark in the room, but in the hallway that connected the living room 
to the hallway that the kids' bedrooms were in, there was a figure standing there, and it was darker than the night, and you could obviously see it. And the feeling that came off of this was pure evil. I was terrified. All of a sudden, her son, who was extremely young at the time, started just screaming and crying, and I felt like it was almost like, what are you going to do about it? And I love those kids. They were like they were like family to me, and I was not going to let something scare them. So I went barreling past <laughs> this black figure and went and got her kids and quickly dressed them and ended up driving them to where she worked in the middle of the night, telling her what happened. And she was off the next couple of nights, so I took the time to calm down. And the next night that I had to come back, I slept on the couch, but I fell asleep before I could put on my pajamas, and I had been wearing a skirt. The next morning, when she came home, she woke me up, and we were getting the kids ready. I went to the bathroom, and that's when I noticed I had fingerprints on the inside of my thighs and on the outside of my thighs, and like someone had been grabbing me in a sexual manner. And it totally freaked me out. I was done after that point. I couldn't stay and be a part of that any longer. And the next babysitter that she actually hired, um, when she came home from work, she found the babysitter locked in the bathroom, curled down in the fetal position beside the toilet, crying. And all the all the girl would tell her was, your house is haunted. So um, there was a lot that went on in that house. And even when she... Uh, got into a relationship with someone, um, the person that she was dating, if he stayed at her house, he would get scratches on him during the night. Um, one time it felt like he was being pulled off the bed by his ankles by something. Um, later, she finally disclosed to me that the person who had owned the house before had actually died in the living room of a heart attack, I'm assuming. And it took like three or four days for them to actually find him. So I'm sure that it was his energy, but that place is it, horribly haunted. And, you know, for something to be able to physically harm you like that, to leave bruises, to leave scratches, that scares me more than any dark shadows or bumps in the night. So anyway, thank you for listening. I just wanted to share with you. Have a good day, and I love your show. Bye. You know, it's one thing for it to be leftover energy from somebody that passed away in the mm-hmm. house. And it's a whole nother thing for them to be like touching you inappropriately and hurting you. And, and that's just, that's awful. That's disturbing. It is. Yeah. That's like where then it, it slowly it, it leads to Rosemary's baby. Think so? <laughs> I mean, I, not in real life, but, <laughs> but that, that's what comes to mind when I hear something disturbing like that. And in that nature is like. What on earth, you know? That's just very, very dark and and disturbing. Um, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call if you have a real ghost story to share with us. 855-853-4802. And remember, if you'd like to uh, support the show, we have things for you to buy now. We have beautiful shirts, caps, things, flasks in there. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever you like. Uh, We got our logo on it. And uh, you can uh, you can help support the show by going to our website at realghoststoriesonline.com and uh, going to that store section and uh, picking some stuff up. Uh, every little thing you get helps us out just a little bit, and we do greatly appreciate it. So, uh, you know, I have a thought about that last story. Yeah? I wonder 
if there was some kind of demonic presence already in the house that may have caused the guy's heart attack. You got to wonder that when like people are dying or there's some sort of medical trauma that goes on and the ghosts are around at that time. You know, did the cart come before the horse or how did it, you know? Right. Right. I don't know. That was just something I was thinking. It's always interesting because, of course, this is something that, you know, no doctor is ever going to go, well, it may have been caused by a ghost, you know, or, you know, sure. or any, you know, the, the most you're going to get as well. Maybe they were really startled by something or mm-hmm. something, you know, some sort of stress was going on with them. And obviously, if you have a haunted house and you're dealing with unexplained entities constantly, uh, that could probably put quite a bit of undue stress on your body and your mind and uh, in turn uh, harm you physically. Right. 855-853-4802 is the phone number. Or write in to us on our website at Real Ghost Stories Online. Please, 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 if you've not done so yet, Press the subscribe button as well on whatever platform it is you're listening to us. That helps us quite a bit. Roy writes in, My daughter is now 17 years old. When she was born, the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck and she lost a significant amount of oxygen at the start of her life. I only bring this up because I've heard it said that those who experience near-death occurrences tend to be more in tune with the dead. When she turned about four, we noticed that she had some developmental delays and has since been in learning disabled classes. At the same time, we noticed her also having imaginary friends. She had siblings, but at the time was the only girl, so she would uh, play on uh, alone a lot. Or, I, or her mother or her aunt could always hear her talking or laughing with someone when she'd be alone. We chalked it up to an imaginary friend and thought nothing of it. Fast forward to us riding in the car, my wife, my daughter, my son, niece, and I, my daughter now about 13, she decides to tell us about her friends. She tells us that while spending much of her time with our uh, her aunt, our aunt, which uh, she would be with all the time, she even had her own room there, she would see ghosts. She said that she always has. They were all different ages, boys, girls, men, women, niece... Uh, and, and nice and mean. Some days she tries to ignore the mean one. They wear clothes for many different time periods. They told her they would be leaving her soon because she was getting too old to talk to them. I was a bit skeptical until I asked where they were coming from. She said the cemetery. Without hesitation, I got chills. I forgot that our aunt's house was on the corner of the street. The street running along the side of the house was... Uh, has a long row of houses. Behind that row is Lakeview Cemetery, possibly the most famous cemetery in the entire city of Cleveland. People such as James A. Garfield, Elliot Ness are buried there. This is even a monumented or a monument dedicated to a school that burned down, killing students and teachers in the 1800s in that cemetery. She still gets visitors every once in a while. I think it's because of her developmental delays. She may still be young and hard or mentally they still feel comfortable talking it to her uh there you go thanks for reading i wanted to share that story with you i absolutely think that he's right that if you have a near-death experience that you are more likely to it's it's kind of like you've always said you with kids and and elderly people Mm -hmm. you know when you're closer to either coming in or leaving life you know Mm -hmm. if you've had a near-death experience i think that puts you back at you know close to, to, yeah. Close to that other side. 
And it's interesting, if on her own she flat out said uh, that the ghosts were going to be leaving her soon because she was going to be too old to talk to them. Um, that's interesting. I mean, because that's not something that, you know, probably anyone just went up and said to her and, like, kind of implanted that idea into her mind. And if she is developmentally delayed, uh, cognitively, that it, it kind of has the mindset of a younger individual. Right. I guess it all it all adds up. It, it makes sense that maybe the ghosts and the spirits would still be open to be communicating, you know, to a bit of an older age than you know, traditionally would be going on with a younger child. That makes me wonder if if they, you know, if they think, <laughs> if the ghosts think, if they, you know, have like an age where they know that it's safe to talk to kids until they get to a certain point. I mean, according to this story, uh, the answer to that would be it depends on the individual. Okay. Wouldn't that make sense? You know, it does. It does. I you mean, know, make- it's probably like not necessarily. Uh, you know, it's like a too tall to ride. Yeah, exactly. It is because every kid's a little different. You know, height at different ages, and once you hit that mark, you're too tall. Too tall to ride, and too mm-hmm. you know, too big to. I guess, believe that you are actually talking with the ghosts. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's an interesting thought. I mean, you having the imaginary friend when you were a child, I mean, did that kind of, was that somewhat relatable when you were little? Very much, because he left me. About, I, yeah. I never made the decision that yeah. I was done playing with him or I thought yeah. I was too old. He told me when he was he was leaving. He's moving to Oklahoma. He was. Yeah. And I know it sounds, like, you know, stupid, but yeah. that's the way it happened. Yeah. Very interesting. Maybe I was getting too old. I think there's a lot of imaginary friend ghosts out there that are actually ghosts. I really do. Has uh, our older one had any... She doesn't really have any imaginary friends. Not really. I've no, never really no, seen her. nobody that she's like actually had a relationship with. I think no. sometimes she pretends a lot, but yeah. not it's an, different. Not an ongoing. Not like I had. Yeah, she doesn't have like a Jody the pig. No, <laughs> she's not going to have that. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is the phone number to call in with a real ghost story or write into us on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Please press subscribe or whatever you're using. I know I say it a lot, but I gotta I gotta stress it. Thomas writes in, first off, I'd like to say that I enjoyed this podcast very much, and I'm so glad someone finally had an idea for it. Thanks for creeping me out every night before I go to bed. You're welcome. And that's why we're trying to do it every night, because you know, we enjoy doing this pretty much every night of the week. We now, do. And keep, there may be a night or two here or there where it's not, we don't have enough. But we're going to literally try and release this pretty much every night of the week because it's it's become people's routines. And I get that. It's fun. It's become our routine. It's, we look forward yeah. to it. So, uh, so uh, we love doing it too, so you're welcome. Uh, anyway, on to the story. Uh, as uh, I've always wondered what it would be like to have a paranormal experience, it wasn't the type of, I wasn't the type of person who flat out never believed in ghosts. That was my family, actually. I'd often get laughed at and made fun of when I would suggest that an unknown entity was responsible for making a strange noise or moving something. My family is very religious, a Christian family, so when something out of the ordinary would happen, it would automatically be the devil to blame. To this day, I never fully understood it. Is every ghost evil? 
The devil wants you to think it's someone you love. It's an illusion, my mother would explain. I could understand her side of the story to a certain extent, but I'd always throw out the question, how do you know what, what's a, a devil in disguise and what's a harmless guardian angel? My mother would always stumble on that question. I guess you wouldn't really know. So one day I got to thinking, what has happened to me that I would consider weird? Thinking of it made me realize I've had quite a few things out of the ordinary happen to me. This is only one of them. It was around 2005 when the movie White Noise was released in theaters. If you aren't familiar with it, it's a movie about a man trying to contact his deceased wife. I don't want to give away too many spoilers, even though it's an old movie. It's a classic paranormal movie, one of the best in my opinion. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out. At the time the movie was released, I was about eight years old. I went to go see it with my parents in theaters. Like a typical eight-year-old, I wasn't able to sleep with a clear head for about a week. My parents began to regret taking me to see this movie at that point, but during the week, things that I didn't notice before started happening more and more. It was as if watching that movie ignited a torch and wrote a giant sign that said, Hey, spirits, make yourself known! My mother started getting annoyed. Watching a scary movie at that age screws with your imagination quite a bit, but it doesn't stop you from realizing the obvious. Uh, After about an hour of bedtime stories and pep talks, my parents would sleep downstairs and I would sleep upstairs, but in my grandparents' bed. I was always afraid of sleeping in my own bedroom at night. It had a long hallway leading to it, and I could have sworn hearing someone clearly walk up the stairs and walk down it almost every night. Thinking it was my mom about to give me a lecture about staying up late on school nights, I would quickly turn off the television and pretend to sleep only to peek and see that no one was there. I'd hear footsteps approach, but would never hear it leave. So in my grandparents' bedroom, I felt a little more at ease since it was uh, away from the creepy hallway and more towards the living room. But I was now able to hear everything. There was one night that felt very off. Usually, I would pray in and slowly drift off to sleep, but that night was very different. I couldn't keep my eyes closed for more than five minutes without hearing something in the kitchen. Excuse the side story, but I recently asked my mother about any paranormal experiences she had encountered, and she explained that when she was younger, things would move in front of her. One day, she told me the kitchen cabinet slammed shut in front of her face, and she just froze, completely stunned. Her mother, or my grandmother, shouted in Spanish, My son, you are welcome. Take whatever you want. This was after my mother's brother was deceased. After that, she would hear pots open and clothes and a bunch of plates moving. This was something her brother or my uncle that I was not able to meet always did. He would come home and always open the pots to see what was in that night's dinner, she explained. A few years passed, and my grandmother got involved in the church. Over time, she went from inviting uh, to banishing. Instead of, hello, my son, it was now, I know you are. Not, uh, I know who you are, and you are not my son. This is where the whole devil in disguise thing originated in my family. My mom now believed that the devil was posing as her brother to confuse her. Come on, how evil is pot opening and plate moving? Now back to that night. I keep hearing things going on in the kitchen. This was before my mom told me about the whole brother story, so I didn't know who it could have been. From time to time, we would have seen an occasional mouse in the house. I know mice can climb, but I would mostly hear them near the garage can, or the garbage can, and hugging the walls. Never on top of the stove. 
I would hear the empty pots open and close and the plates clang against each other. This was not a mouse, unless, of course, the mouse had thumbs. It sounded like someone was in my house looking for something, but the entity was now annoyed. I was getting scared. The thing was looking for something, and it couldn't find it. I would pray some more quietly to myself, and it seemed like it only made it worse, as if it heard me praying and got increasingly angry. More plates started clattering. Pots started opening even more. There was now an immediate negative energy that I couldn't deny. Why is this thing here and what does it want? For what seemed like 10 minutes, it got really quiet. It literally felt like I was in a horror movie and I was waiting for the jump scare. Out of nowhere, boom, one of the kitchen cabinets opened and slammed so hard the thin wood almost cracked. Instinctively, I jumped out of bed and ran as fast as I could down the flight of stairs to my parents' bedroom. I felt as if I was running for hours. And as I even thought about turning around to see if it was chasing me. I'd be a goner, though. This was also in the pitch dark, by the way. I finally got to my parents' door, which was locked and knocked frantically. I nearly had tears in my eyes. It had to be at least two or three in the morning. And I began hearing the steps creak behind me. No idea why I felt like I was a quarterback for the Giants at that point, but I was just trying to stay alive in my eight-year-old mentality. My parents' bedroom had a long hallway as well, so I inched all the way back and ran full speed to knock the door down. It makes me laugh just writing this because I was a short, skinny little boy, probably about 70 pounds, soaking wet, and this door had an extremely thick lock on it. Even my dad would have a hard time busting it open. The first hit was inevitable. I nearly broke a rib, but my adrenaline was way too high to feel the pain. The second time, I hit the door and... Uh, with barely any contact, it flew open and my parents jumped up, terrified. It was as if a blurry man had kicked open the door. I looked at the side, and the lock was still in place, protruding out. And there was no damage on the wall whatsoever. To this day, I have no idea how that's possible. I was able to sleep in my parents' bed that night, and it never happened again. Was my mother right? Was it an evil spirit in disguise? And most importantly, why was it after me? Thank you so much for listening to my story. And believe me, it is not the only one. You know, I think sometimes, and this is the hardest answer to get, but I believe there are good ghosts and I believe there are bad ghosts. And then I believe there are are demons. And I think sometimes it's a wait and see to see what you're dealing with. Don't you agree? Yeah, I think it's very... I I, I don't subscribe to the theory that every single ghost is a demon. Um, I know a lot of church says that, but there's too many cases where they they do nothing evil or demonic or bad and they go away. There's even cases where they do helpful things. Yeah, Um, and they go away. Yeah. Um, So... To say that they're all demons, I don't think is accurate. Um, And then to say, well, there's angels and demons, okay, but I also don't think that that's always the case either. I think there may just be good-hearted people who are ghosts that are still trying to do good. Yeah. Um, And not necessarily angels, quote-unquote. But then again, um, I think uh, the demonic realm uh, is well aware of this factoid that a lot of folks believe, like we do, where there's all these different things. And can then take the form of something that's comforting 
and essentially try to lure you in. So how do you ever really know? I think the answer to that question is you really don't. No. Um, uh, it's just a matter of how you're going to play those cards and interact with it. Um, I think the safest route is probably no interaction at all, if it, if at all possible. Don't invite it in. Um, if it's there and you did not invite it in, don't try and interact with it. Yeah. You know, even if it is something good. Because usually if it's a, a family member or something trying to get a message out and they're able to let you know they're there, they'll get their message out without you having to invite it in. You know, you're not necessarily having to go, oh, come on in. Let's, uh, you know, they're able to say their thing, their peace and leave or show you that they're okay or something. It's usually how those good things go. Okay. Um, if it's something else, that's where it can be kind of a poltergeist-esque activity, which is kind of how this was. Sure. Um, the brother's not necessarily really relaying a message. Um, it's kind of there. So I could really go either way into what that is because it's never really revealed what it is. And it's freaking out the kid. You know, I could see that being something else. I could see it being some sort of demonic entity knowing, hey, if I do these repetitive actions of what the family knows is the dead brother did, they're going to think it's a dead brother. Sure. Um, and that's kind of how I feel in that one. I could see that one being kind of a dark one, trying to imitate something else. But if it's a demonic force, don't you think it, doesn't it like pretty quickly start to escalate into other things? Not always. You really? know, it can sit there for a long time, fairly dormant. Um, you know, or it can, I think, escalate in, in ways where it's really a supernatural thing that's going on. I think it can... You know, increase the de- uh, depression in people. It can, you know, alter moods. It can alter states of mind. It can create just a negative atmosphere without anyone ever going, oh my God, there's a shadow person over there on the wall. Okay. You know? Sure. I think it can work in other ways other than just being a ghost. Okay. So that's my two cents on it. So there you go. My the, completely unscientific answer to the question. Yeah, but it's a, just based on stories and experiences and all the stories that we've heard. So, yep. Does that work? Is that a good enough answer? I think that's about as good as we can offer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost story. 855-853-4802. We would love to hear your real ghost story. And please subscribe to the show. Hi, you're on the air. Hey, this is um, Peter from uh, Kansas City, Kansas. I'd just like to tell you one of my experiences I had. I want to say it's about six years ago. We used to be in downtown Kansas in a place called uh, Walnut Towers. And um, it happened when we brought our son home from the hospital. And uh, what happened is uh, my son, you know, brand new, both new parents. And he'll cry, you know, like like new new innocent stuff. But I would hear my son cry, and I go look at him or go see if he's okay, and uh, he's he's perfectly fine, you know. And this is what happened throughout the day. I hear him cry, and I go check on both of them, you know, because my girlfriend's in the bedroom, you know, resting. And my son is there sleeping, and you know they'll they'll both be fine. And um, I'll hear these cries when I'm not when I'm not I don't know 
paying attention to it or, or my mind somewhere else or like I'm doing the dishes or fixing or tinkering on my PC out here to cry for about a second, two seconds only. And I get up and check on them and, you know, they're doing fine. And uh, I want to say a couple of days passed and I was in the bathroom taking a shower and I, I got out from the shower and I was drying my hair and I, I could hear my son cry really, really loud outside the bathroom door for about 15, 20 seconds. And to me, you know, I'm like, you know, he probably is hungry um, or like a dirty diaper or whatever. So I got done what I was doing. And I got up from the bathroom and my girlfriend was sitting on the couch watching TV. So I asked her, hey, you know, is, uh, is Ace okay? That's my son's name, Ace. And she's like, yeah, he's doing fine, you know. He fell asleep. And she said, he fell asleep when you're about to get into the shower. And I was like, oh, okay, just like that. I didn't, I didn't tell her what I heard in my mind. I was like, what? You know, I heard my son cry just about five minutes ago, really loud. And uh, the reason why I didn't want to tell her because you know she just gave birth. And she had all that stress. I don't want to put more stress onto her, so I just kept it at that. Didn't tell her. But throughout the throughout the week, I hear you know the baby cry, and same story. Go check on him, and nothing, you know. So I was like, well, maybe you know he's living in an apartment. Maybe there's other babies here. So I proceeded to investigate. So I went to the neighbors across from us asked them to have any babies or infants or people visit with babies and they said no. And I went to the neighbors to the left of us and the neighbors to the right of us for the same questions. I even went to the neighbors in the bottom of us and the neighbors on top of us and they said no, you know, we never had any babies over. The youngest kid that came over, it was like nine or eight years old. So I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I am going crazy. <laughs> Or maybe it's like, you know, you're new to being a parent, so every noise you hear, it's a cry, so, you know, get up from what you're doing and you go check on them. So in, in this in this um, apartment tower, there's always a group of elderly women in the lobby, and they'll be there from, like, the sun up to sun, the sundown. They'll be there, you know, gossiping, knitting, crocheting. So I proceeded to go ask them, had they, you know, seen any babies, infants come through, you know? And they, they, you know, they looked at me and they said, no, you know, the only baby we've seen so far was the one that you brought home. So I was like, okay, you know, thank you for your time, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, man, I am freaking losing my mind. And this happened like every day for like, I'm gonna say a week, and probably like six times a day. So the following week, I went back to work and I proceeded to tell one of my coworkers this, you know. And she, and she, she the look on her face was like, ah, you know, crazy. And then she, she said, she, she gave me a response and then and, and just put the pieces together. And I feel, I feel really bad forgetting about this also. And what she said was. Maybe it's the other one, just like that. And I'm like, wow, because 
the year before we had my son now, we had a miscarriage. And we both of us took it really hard. And, you know, me and my girlfriend, we took it really hard because we always wanted a family. And we were, you know, pretty, pretty down about that. But when my co-worker said, maybe it's the other one, and, I, and maybe it was the other one, you know, it's pretty tough. And, and, and that put the pieces together right there. And my thoughts is, you know, maybe we brought this one in, and the other one is like, hey, you know, don't forget about me. You know, I was in your life once, or, or I don't know. But maybe that one's here to, you know, be the guardian angel of my son now. You know, who knows? But ever since I figured that out, like the crying stopped. Maybe because I realized it. I don't know what what what's going on there. But it was pretty. It was pretty crazy. But it was pretty cool in some crazy way. But that's my story. Uh, thanks for the time, and I uh, love the show. Thank you. I will say this. And I'm in no way discounting this because I fully believe you heard crying. When you do bring the baby home, you think you hear crying all the time. Yeah. Even when they're not. Um, and part of it, I think, has to do with how tired you are. Because there's no way around it. When you're a new parent, you're both tired all the yeah. time. I mean, I remember when we brought our, our little one home. It was just, you know, we'd shut the door. And she really wasn't that bad of a crier for the most part. I mean, she no. would, compared to most babies, she was sleeping the whole night through. Like, what? About six weeks in. Yeah. I mean, she did a, a bit of crying, but... And the whole mo- night through, we mean like six hours, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. But she did pretty well. But still, we thought we were hearing the crying a lot. Yeah. Um, even when there wasn't the crying. <laughs> there were certain shows we couldn't watch anymore because we knew there was, there was a possibility there could be a baby crying on an episode. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it it's, I don't know, it's I, a very hard one because I, that that's a very common occurrence when, when you just mentally you think you're hearing it. Mm-hmm. Was the wife or the girlfriend ever hear, hearing it? The wife? He didn't say yeah. that the girlfriend ever heard it, but I find it very interesting that once he acknowledged what the coworker said, that it maybe stopped. it's the other one that it yeah. stopped. And maybe that's all the, you know, if it was yeah. the other one, maybe that's all that they needed was that acknowledgement that you didn't forget yeah. about that. Yeah, that's interesting. And like I said, I'm, I'm not discounting. I'm not saying you didn't hear this at all because I, you know, or that it, it could not or that it's not the other one. Um, I'm saying that there's a, there's another possibility there. Yeah. But I don't know. That's a tough one and is a very, just a haunting topic to begin with. I mean, just the, the thought that it could be the other one as the guardian angel. Um, and then it stops. That, that That's the odd part. Because normally, just having a realization doesn't necessarily make it stop. I mean, mm-hmm. we had the realization plenty of times going, okay, she's really not crying. We just think we're hearing crying. Sure. And, that doesn't make it stop. And part of what made that worse for me was that my oldest, when she was that age, she would be sound asleep and I apparently would dream and she'd let out a noise and then be right back to sleep. I mean, like yeah. she was doing it in her sleep. She never woke up making yeah. those noises. So by the time you get in there to check on, she's out, out yeah. cold. But 
I, you know, there were times where I would be in her room and she was asleep and she would do that. And that's how I put the puzzle pieces together that she was. It was the older one making the noise. Well, that was when she was, when, when Livy was a baby, yeah, she yeah. would do that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. So there, that's part of the reason I kept thinking I was hearing her because I was, but sure. she was doing it in her sleep. I see. She didn't actually need me. She was dreaming Just or making something. making noises. Yeah. yeah. I see. Interesting. So that's yeah. when I learned, yeah. let her go for like, you know, he mentioned like hearing it for about 20 seconds. If I heard it sure. 20 seconds straight, then I would go check. Yeah. Thanks for the story and the call. That was a, that was a good one. And, and one that just kind of makes you walk away going, I, I really wonder yeah. what, what's going on. And I'm glad things worked out and you have a son now. Yes, that's, that's awesome. 855-853-4802 with your real ghost stories. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. Please subscribe to the show as well. Uh, another letter here. It says, hi, Tony. Love the show. I fall asleep listening to it every single night. Well, great, because we're releasing it every day of the week now. So you'll have a new <laughs> night. Um, there's going to be so many people with so many messed up dreams now. because Exactly. <laughs> this story actually happened to my husband several years ago, but I witnessed firsthand the immediate after effects it had on him. And even now, as I write this eight years later, he still brings his story up and it scares the hell out of him. My husband is a plumbing contractor and he got called out to perform a mainline repair on a clinic in Stockton, California several years ago. The rear of the clinic backed up to the Stockton Rural Cemetery and they were uh, separated by a cyclone fence. I know you enjoy the creepy old cemeteries and you really need to check this one out. I got a call from my husband around 6pm asking me if I could bring him some dinner. It was a bad line break and he was going to be there for a few more hours. He instructed me to drive to the rear of the clinic as the water line that was broke was right next to the fence line to the cemetery. When I arrived with dinner about 30 minutes later, I was pulling into the clinic from the street by my husband's plumbing van, came around the corner of the building, uh, driven like the hounds from hell were on his heels. He was white as a ghost and had a chilling story to tell me once he was composed. Apparently, he was digging into the dirt next to the fence line. He glanced up to look towards the cemetery and saw a man standing in front of a headstone about a hundred feet away from where my husband was. He looked like he was wearing a long black coat with black trousers, and he was wearing what looked like a black top hat. It was just a twilight time, and my husband could clearly see the man staring down at a large headstone next to a rather large oak tree. When the man looked up, he glanced at my husband, and as he started to move away from the headstone, my husband said it looked like he was gliding, as if he was standing on a skateboard, and someone was pulling him along. This made my husband very anxious, and it just didn't look natural. But when the man went behind the oak tree and never came out the other side, that was enough for my dear hubby. He threw his tools in the back of his van, called one of the other plumbers to come finish the job, and got out of there. We went back the next day, and I walked over to where the headstone was and the man, uh, and what the man was looking at. There was a husband and wife who had died in the late 1800s, buried side by side in that spot. The wife died about nine months before the husband, and they were both in their 40s. The headstone for the husband was directly in front of the tree from the clinic parking lot. It was obscured by a big oak tree. Could it have been the husband was just paying respects to his wife and then disappeared back into his own grave? Who knows? All I know is that to this day, my husband still gets rattled when we talk about that evening. I think that's horrible that they can't be ghosts together, you know? That he's got to go visit. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, see, they didn't put it in their vows like we did. Yeah, I that's, know. That's what you have to do. You have to literally put it in your wedding vows that you're going to haunt you know, your family and loved ones forever. That would be scary to see that, to see the, the gliding. You yeah. Know. You know, as much as I say I'd like to see a ghost someday, I think I would be thoroughly freaked out if if I just if that was me in that situation. Mm-hmm. You look up. Because at first, you, you're just... Oh, there's a person over there. That's odd they're wearing a top hat, but there's a person over there. Sure. And then the gliding starts. You know, that's... I don't know what I would do. I mean, I'd watch it. I would probably be like that guy, though. I would probably be... I, I would probably be freaked out, and I, there's no way I continue, could, could continue whatever job I was doing. I would need some, I think, downtime to kind of collect my thoughts and... Yeah. I think kind of just register in my mind what I had just seen. Mm-hmm. Because that's a little bit much. Well, it's that first experience that answers that question, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> I believe, though. I just, I'm not, I know you not do. lucky enough to say. So, anyhow. Uh, your real ghost stories, we'd love to hear them right into the show at realghoststoriesonline.com or, or call in at 855-853-4802. Please subscribe. Press the subscribe button. And we got that bonus episode for you, too. We want to remind you about that. If you want to get a bonus episode not published anywhere else, made just for you as a thank you, uh, give us some reviews there on iTunes uh, or a review on iTunes. Uh, and then uh, email me the username that you left that review under. And uh, I will email you back that bonus episode. It's that easy. My email is Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. Tell your friends to do the same. That's what helps us grow every single week. Don't forget, we have swag now, too. Shirts, hats, hoodies for fall. When you're wandering around cemeteries, wear your Real Ghost Stories Online official gear. Send us a selfie wearing it. That would be awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome of people wearing our gear in creepy places. There you go. Yeah, do that. We'll put them up on the website. I'd, I'd absolutely love for you guys to uh, to do that. So check that out on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. All right, that does it for today's episode. For Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.